ABD Talk, a podcast about accelerating adoption of analytics, digital, and design. This is Michelle Liu, and welcome you to the episode one of the ABD Talk, delivered on the hype of AI. This episode was recorded in July 2019, exactly one week before our annual conference this year's at TIFF Lightbox Building. We invited Pavel Abdurakman, the partner and the head of data science at IBM. Pavel has been an avid supporter of、uh, Analytics by Design from day one, and he is a return speaker to our annual conference. Pavel, do you mind quickly introducing yourself? Proud alumni of、uh, University of Toronto、uh, in engineering. That's what I did my industrial engineering's、uh, for my undergrad. But I've spent、um, in about you know ten to twelve years at, at doing consulting for IBM, and then after that I did my masters at Queen's University for the MMA program,、um, and I've sort of evolved in the last thirteen、um, fourteen years in my career from a you know entry level consultant to a partner, and now focused mostly on large、uh, Fortune five hundred enterprises on their data. Uh, and analytics mandates. You know we are excited to have you at the Analytics by Design 2019 conference. So prior to that, we we just like to kind of、uh, discuss with you、um, in terms of uh, uh, kind of trends happened in the past years. And I know last year as you spoke at the 2018 conference, and you actually make some really interesting comments. Um, and of course, now we're coming back to you to validate those comments and and see if you want to share something further. So to start with, and I do want to ask you,、um, you know, what have you seen, you know, change compared to last time we spoke,、um, especially in the AI space? Yeah.、Uh, so most of my experience are focused on, I would say, the enterprise world、um, in. Uh, financial sector, natural resources, and the public sector.、Um, and within that space,、uh, if you ask me, what are the key changes in the last twelve months?、Um, I think the most important is digital transformation leadership.、Uh, pretty much all the leading companies、um, have established organizations、uh, around digital transformation. They have. Um, you know, hired very senior executives, both for from internally or externally.、Uh, they have given them significant mandates. So things like, you know, in the next three years,、um, those executives and their teams need to deliver one to two billion dollars of value. So that's sort of, I would say, number one change in terms of. Uh, organizations actually externally telling the Wall Streets and the public markets、mm-hmm. that that's what they're going to do.、Uh, they're actually, in order for them to do that, they have hired the executives and the teams and given them mandates.、Uh, and now what we are seeing is all the early stage planning is completing, and now it's about actually execution. That's、uh, right at scale. So it seems like a lot of companies making a bold move in the space, right? And there's a lot of hype around, you know, the possibility of AI and automation. So, like, what's your take on that? Do you think, like, are we overpromising? Are we, are we still kind of a、um, hype up the whole trend, or do you think there's some realistic considerations we we should have? Yeah,、um, I think、um, yes and no. 
I think uh, technology, for the sake of technology, um, it's going to go through its hype cycle. But the key, I would say, for most of the people listening, assuming associated with business aspect of it, um, it's all around benefit schedule. So often what doesn't get talked about in forums like this is what is the benefit schedule that we are driving? It's always around you know, tools or techniques or perhaps you know, uh, new IP. And that's all important ingredients. But the question is, what is the benefit schedule the leadership is trying to drive? Mm-hmm. That needs to be clear upfront. And then what are the supporting initiatives, projects, tools, applications that needs to be built with available data sets and available users who are willing to Mm -hmm. co-create so that it will actually be used and benefits will be actually um, derived from all this effort. I think that's sort of in my mind the fundamental shift that I see from... um, Folks that are leading, and then there's a big camp that's still in the middle uh, that are sort of wait and see mode. Interesting. So I know you have been helping with a handful of uh, organization and kind of uh, pushing them through the journey, right? So uh, can you share some maybe like secret sauce? I know like probably you can't talk too much, especially you know the audio gonna be out there to mm-hmm. the to the market, but maybe like, just kind of share your perspective in terms of how you're gonna help enterprise and especially and I know. A lot of companies right now are trying really hard, right? They, they try a couple use case, like use cases. They have improved some success, but then in terms of uh, really moving this as scale, and I think there's uh, challenges, right? And uh, coming out from all different all different direction, either from the business and te- and technology. So, if you can elaborate on that, it would be awesome. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I would say there is sort of you know three major buckets um, and then there's lots of details but uh, let's start with the high, high level the most uh, important is um, uh, number one would be line of business executives that are actually believer of data and analytics to hit uh, their benefit schedule or business KPIs uh, and in exchange willing to invest sort of that's uh, let's park that as sort of let's call it you know uh, line of business benefit schedule um, discussions. Okay. Uh, so for a bank, um, while we have lots of friends in the central organizations of the banks, but what does the PNL owner of a wealth management or retail banking want to do with data and analytics? And is he or she willing to put her or his skin in the game mm-hmm. in terms of committing and then delivering? So that, let's call it uh, sort of Leadership, uh, leadership uh, readiness. Okay. Uh, then the second would be, I would say, uh, people. And people could be, you know, talked about in multiple ways, whether your internal capability, whether your external partners, um, whether it's academic uh, institution that you're partnering up with, but how are you addressing people issue, both from skills uh, uh, as well as enablement, uh, as well as motivation for participation. Motivation? Yeah. Can you actually elaborate on that too? Uh, well, why would uh, a manager or a senior manager of a bank uh, 
care to learn about data and analytics and embrace it and change the way he or she has been doing her business. Uh, that's just not going to happen if you're just giving them a prescription to do it. That's right. It's got to happen because he or she, you basically got to win their hearts and mind. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's about skills. It's about enablement. It's about motivation to participate. Right. So you're probably uh, proposing maybe changing kind of incentive uh, structures and maybe like tidying up and kind of enable them, giving like proper training. But at the same time, it's also need to kind of uh, figure out how we can work with their mind and soul. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's winning people's heart is not easy. <laughs> so, so it's not a simple answer. Uh, but the point is, at least we got to recognize that's what has to happen uh, before. And every organization will have its own unique, uh, you know, environment and, and, and techniques and strategies associated with it. But that's sort of the second bucket of people. Right. And the third bucket is tools and technologies um, uh, and, you know, data-related work, mm-hmm. uh, right? So, and we all know, um, you know, data is more right. um, complex. It takes more effort to prepare data sets than actually do analytics on it. But that whole world of how do you really set it up, uh, um, uh, how do you make the most of it, uh, what approach do you take? Like, for example, nobody's going to wait uh, to clean up data sets so that you can deliver value in year four, mm-hmm. right? So instead of a, sort of a, what we call it, instead of a, a big bang approach, how do we take a vertical slice across the entire value stack from, you know, source data to data engineering to the algorithm layers to the UI application layer how do we take a vertical slice mm-hmm. to to really convince the people to use it? Right. Uh, so to me, that would be the three major buckets of of focus area, um, and, and there's lots of details behind it. Interesting. Actually, you mentioned some you mentioned something at last year's conference, and I think it was really made me thinking. Um, you kind of uh, talk about this jokingly. You say, hey, uh, my job here is to replace all the data science job, right, out there. Um, and, and I think in the recent years, we saw a lot of tools become widely available and more and more individuals become interested and, and, and start coding. So like, how would you, like, you know, how would you interpret like, kind of the trends and especially maybe like, you know, now we can talk about the comment you made last year and like, what did you really make? And then is there anything has changed? No, I mean, <laughs> I think it's more of a sort of a statement of reality for, you know, 2040, right? Uh, where, where bulk of the data engineering and even complex multivariate statistical sort of analysis bots should be able to do it. Uh, but I think we need to enable that, and the way to enable that is actually preparing data sets, giving in the parameters to operate, and the problem statements, and all those sort of things. Uh, uh, I, I think there will be more and more automation, uh, and, and that's how we are driving value to our clients, by driving more automation at the data layer at the moment. Um, lots of tools already exist where they're out-of-box you know, scripts to run different types mm-hmm. of analysis uh, on data. I think we're not there yet because, frankly, that's not where the challenges are. The challenges for adoption right. and challenges for benefit schedule 
um, uh, endorsement is actually in my mind people. Uh, when I say people, it's users, uh, it's 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 folks that got to now take it. It's folks at the at workplaces, just like the shift happened in the consumer world, mm-hmm. where you and I no longer, I don't know, maybe some of you call taxi, but we no longer call taxi, right? right? We just embrace Uber. And we just click buttons and we go with it. Or we follow the direction of Google when Google says where to drive. Like we don't usually apply because we believe in that analytics. That's right. And we made those changes in our day-to-day lives. So how do we make, how do we get the employees of workplaces Mm -hmm. there um, when they have fear of their jobs, right? So... And that's not a simple problem to solve. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think that's the fundamental thing that we got to be focused on because we need it anyway in the short term and also in the medium to long term. Got it. So it's not it's not just enabling, also empowering, right? Because you want to make sure. 100%. They, they so feel. skills, mm-hmm. enablement, and then I would say whether empowering or motivation. Mm-hmm. Just understanding and being explicit about what is the motivation of this end user to use anything we're building. Absolutely. So I'm going to kind of... Uh, um, change the kind of a um, question here. So we talk a lot about like employee, right? Hey, especially for individual data scientists, machine learning uh, engineers, and, and so now I do want to ask you a question related to the organization. And I think it's hard. It's hard enough to run, you know, multi billions um, businesses, and especially in in banks, in the large organized organizations. So now we have this kind of a executive expectation on AI machine learning and especially the example you just raised you say hey you know we now use Uber right people might not think we use a lot of analytics like ordinary individuals not like MMA grads but a lot of individuals might not really see it that way but it's already we're embracing that right so to me and I feel like you look at it from organizational lens there's a disruption coming from the space and and like somehow fundamentally change the way we, we compete. So I want to see your perspective and, and how would you see like AI machine learning really changing not just the way you know the how you know we manage our employee but also at a different level at organizational level maybe like the competition. <clears throat> so you're asking how the future of enterprises or future of work would look like given that you know, pretty much everybody would use... Would use those kind of available mm-hmm. uh, AI tool, right? So in, in one way or the other, they're changing the perspective of consumer, changing the perspective of, I guess, average employee, right? So in that case, like, do you think it should be something like, maybe like business operation model returns, and maybe there's a different kind of a favor of that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, there are a lot of engagements right now that... Uh, we are participating where there are a couple of deliverables. So maybe let's talk about some deliverables and we'll work backward because why are we spending our time on that or why is the client spending their money on it? Uh, Things along the line of what is the strategy of advanced analytics in this organization that is comprehensive and tied to benefit schedule for P&L owners, Mm -hmm. right? So what is that, right? And how do you prioritize ideas to it? Um, the second thing would be around target operating models. Like, how are the target operating models look like where uh, internal and external capabilities are complementary, um, where you can scale up and scale down as necessary with skills that are very rare uh, in, the, in the community, let alone in an individual organization. Right. Right. 
Um, and also, how how do things get funded, right? So who funds what? Um, what does the funding model look like? Um, what sort of um, sort of central versus federated uh, services look like? What does the central service catalog look like? What are the like? What does the central organizations provide for the federated organizations? And what is the chemistry and dynamics uh, among them? So to me, uh, we are spending lots of time, in addition to the technology aspect of it, the target architecture and the tools and things like that that we all need to think about. So those are things we're sort of working on developing for a client-to-client basis, right? So so if, if I think about that, you know, what is the future of, you know, an enterprise? Um, I think... Uh, there's lots of work going on uh, on this, and a lot of people have an opinion. Uh, our view is that uh, we have a thing called cognitive enterprise. That's the answer, um, and there's some building blocks uh, to a cognitive enterprise. Um, uh, and primarily, you know, it's to do with deal with this world of platforms. And I know there's a lot of discussions about platforms. But there are different types of platforms. So, for example, a Google Cloud instance is an infrastructure platform for a bank. But that's uh, that's not uh, you know that's Google's proprietary IP, right? So, what is the bank's business platform look like uh, that allows its suppliers uh, of information, goods, tools, technology, as well as consumers of of what the bank has to offer? Uh, a, a digital vehicle, right? So that would be a business platform for a bank that's built on a technology platform like AWS or Google or IBM or whatever, what, what so. So that's the world of platforms. When we see that as the way of the future of the enterprises will evolve, um, we think the the incumbents or the legacy organizations that are, have been around for a long time, they have an edge by having data, uh, they have challenges because those data sets are in siloed and different kind of, but they have an edge. And if they can figure out how to monetize that data, um, we think there's a, a advantage. One of the first, first time we're starting to see uh, an attribution of value on data management work. Um, and that's only happening, that attribution of value happened on the analytics use cases on top of it. Right. So now there's actually a percent allocation of if 15 projects created $100 million value, perhaps 8 to $10 million of that value is attributed purely to manage that data. Mm-hmm. And we're actually going to move to the world and, you know, the accounting uh, laws and the principles are st- still from 1930s. So that needs to get adjusted. But eventually what will happen is we will actually have data as a line item on a financial statement, both for assets and liabilities. That is a significant step change, right? And I think we're still, you know, a couple of years away, but I think there are a couple of organizations, you know, there's some bylaws that's coming on Google, for example, like if, if you have 100 million plus consumers on your platform, mm-hmm. there are some bylaws. It's not law. Uh, not uh, There are some, sorry, there are some, uh, I forget the technical term for it. There are some discussions about it. It's not a law yet. 
But Google now, as an example, will have to tell the public markets what is the value of Michelle's data. This is a major shift of basically declaring data as an asset. That's right. We talk about it, but if it's really an asset, why is it not in our financial statements? Mm. That's interesting. Right? So to me, those are the changes that's going to happen, I think, the future of enterprises. Mm-hmm. And the workers, people like you and I in those enterprises, our worlds will change because automation will give us more capacity to do other things. And frankly, there's enough work to do. Uh, I don't think anybody should be scared about losing a job because there's enough work to do. That's interesting. Um, so, like, how how do you comment on you know there's a quote on compete on analytics, right? Mm-hmm. It's rather than just like using analytic as a nice to have <laughs> kind of feature. So, um, like, like what do you think? What do you think on like you know especially on that statement? So, so let's you know I I'll pick up on the last point. Um, and perhaps this is a point maybe we should highlight, um, you know, that maybe I want to kind of, I'll give you a quote for it, something like that. I think that around the world of if data is truly going to be an asset, the question to the leadership, why is it not on your financial statement? Which means that whether from a leadership perspective, you are not ready to make that bold statement or from an organization perspective, you're not structured to that uh, objective, or from just tools and capabilities and you know skills perspective, that's just not how you think about it. Because on a financial statement, you have other type of assets, like a, for example, a manufacturing plant or inventory or that or you know goods that's on your books. Why is data not on your statement? So to me, to your question about competing on analytics, I think the bars will be raising. And to be honest, it's a first mover's advantage. Think about, you know, there are five banks or six banks in Canada. Think about any one of those banks is getting ready to put the asset uh, on the asset side of the financial statement, something called data. Mm-hmm. And it has $2 billion value to it. The, 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 the value of that bank will certainly go up, assuming that it's complied with all the regulation regulatory requirements. That's just not going to happen just by putting it on your statement. You have to no. work it up to it, right? You have to kind of prove, like, you know, have the measurements on, like, like how much it worth and then maybe the level, the quality of the data, how you organize it. So that really puts some pressure to... And then there's liabilities. There's liabilities, yes. <laughs> so, so if data is truly an asset, it should be on your asset mm-hmm. and liabilities. And how are you dealing with liabilities, right? So, for example, one of the things that we are developing... Uh, and we'll, we'll announce uh, uh, shortly with IEEE and Queens is this, sort of this concept of trusted data and analytics mm-hmm. for Canadian businesses. Uh, what does it really mean? What are the liabilities that you uh, has to deal with if you want to put data as your asset on your financial statement? How do you deal with data in ethical manner in the first place? Mm-hmm. How do you certify your employees, your managers, and 
in terms of skills as well as just uh, and an value endorsement or a value statement that this is what we are about this is what we do with people's data mm-hmm. this is what we don't do with people's data um, how do you deal with IP related issues right. all those things I think one have to figure out and execute before one can put data as an as a, as, a, as a dollar amount on a financial statement yes absolutely and, and I know especially recent years a lot of uh, Especially banks um, embark the journey of a cloud. Um, however, there's a lot of uh, internal resistance because of the seems like there's no uh, standardized approach on what to do, how it can governance the data access. Right, there's a lot of discussion around that, and then this is definitely um, an important topic, especially on the top of all executives' mind. I personally think you know data governance, data management, the 20, 30 year old industry, lots of experts, mm-hmm. I think it should be reframed as uh, data monetization departments. Mm. Meaning this department's whole purpose is to you know be you know do everything that they do but also contribute to the financial statement of the bank or the organization. Because I think then they would be valued very differently and they will also should be claiming value, mm-hmm. meaning Hey, analytics is driving a billion dollars of value for bank number one, and this data monetization department contributed $100 million worth of it. When we are all ready to talk like that, then we'll actually put the right attention and, and funding to it. Absolutely. So how soon do you think we can get there? Um, you know, I, I wish I had a magic ball to tell you all the answers. I don't. Um, you know, all I can say is what we see from our clients that I think are the the leaders mm-hmm. in their own industry. And every industry has its own industry perspective. The banks are moving very differently than some of the oil and gas companies versus mm-hmm. some of the public sector entities, as an example. Um, What's interesting, though, it's the first time where executives are actually publicly declaring how much value digital will create Mm. in the next three. That will be their legacy. I think um, within those mandates, analytics will play a significant contribution to those digital value creation. So to me, I think that's in the next, you know, two to four years window is where uh, those leaders will be successful and would be the poster childs mm-hmm. um, uh, and and others will follow or there will be some adjustment to do whatever further adjustment has to happen before we can get there. So if I think about what's the quote yes. and what's the liner what's and what's yeah. the one thing I want people to think about? Mm-hmm. I think it is around, um, you know, this notion of if you really believe data is an asset for you, why is it not on your financial statement? Mm-hmm. It's a that's sort of a bold statement to work cool. backward yeah. because, well, first of all, do you know that you should be pursuing that? Mm-hmm. Because others are. And second, if you are pursuing it, what are the reasons you're not there? It's probably three to five years journey to get there, right? So to me, I think that might be uh, that might be my angle. Okay, we're definitely gonna highlight that for sure. Yeah. That's the first I've heard of it. Cool. Okay, so maybe to sum up the interview. So like, so are you happy with your last words or is anything you want to share? 
No, I think I think uh, looking forward to the conference. Mm -hmm. um, I know um, I know uh, some of the speakers you guys put together, as well as some of the people that I know they're attending. They're all um, current or future leaders of mm -hmm. analytics in Toronto, um, and I think um, we're going to have a very positive and productive dialogue. Um, and I hope to meet uh, as many mm -hmm. of uh, the folks as possible. Yes, absolutely. So. Well, is there any kind of a pressing topic you hope we will cover in the yeah. in a in a conference? Or I, I think I think we, I think you guys are covering it already. Um, one suggestion, perhaps, um, as we all take serious about it, I think the ethical AI aspect of it, which really means trusted data and governance policies uh, in an organization. Um, and the value declaration by an organization, right. meaning what does a bank one declares publicly mm -hmm. that they will do with people's data. Um, that's where it got to start. And then we work backward to, to meet that declaration, right, as an industry. So I think that's something would be a topic perhaps for next year. But this is a, a lot of activity in the policy space. The regulators are working on things. Mm -hmm. Um, and practitioners just need to, you know, be aware of it yeah. and get ready for it. Absolutely, and especially with the open banking mm -hmm. initiative and the digital charter digital. <laughs> and all those sort of things. So to me, I think exciting times ahead. Yes, absolutely. So looking forward to listening to your speak at the conference. Thank you for inviting me.